and not to just inform you. Because Satan is well informed. Mm-hmm. Satan knows the word. Matter of fact, he reverenced God more than you do. How do I know the demoniac man on the island, when he saw Jesus show up, you know, the first thing he did was bow. Hallelujah. The first thing he did was reverence the presence of the Lord. They even asked the question, why are you here? Is it our time? It's not my time yet, is it? Wait, hold up. Remember Jesus in the wilderness? 40 days, 40 nights, Satan knows the word. He's got information, but no transformation. So how much information you have and how much transformation has taken place off of that information? Okay. So we transform. If you would, go ahead and take out your smartphones, your smart devices, and we're going to get into this message today. You can hashtag and post and all of that good stuff on all of your social media platforms. If you're happening to be streaming online right now, amen, just go ahead and let it stream. Amen. Start a watch party or share our link so that way you don't have to worry about doing it yourself. Amen. You can just be here with us in this moment. Elevate Church exists to serve the void and others that they may experience the love of Christ. That is why we're here. We exist so that we can serve a void in the lives of others so that they can experience the love of Christ. Hallelujah. What void do you have in your life that need to be filled? That's why the church is here, to serve that void so that you can experience the love of God. Are you hearing me? Three things we stand on, believe, belong, and become. We're gathering of believers where everybody should feel like, will feel like they belong. So that you can become everything that God has created you to be. That's the end result, that we can gather as some believers so that you and everybody you invite into this house can feel like they belong, so that they can become all that God has created them to be. That's why we're here. Grab your Bibles, Exodus chapter number 20, verse number 22. Going to set some foundation for this sermon series. Grab as well Hebrews chapter number 12, verse number 19. When you have it, stand to your feet if you would. Exodus chapter number 20, verse number 22. Hebrews chapter number 12, verse number 19. When you have it, say, I have it. <laughs> That's about four y'all. Amen. If you can't find it, just put something sweet in your mouth, lean over your neighbor and say, let me see. Amen. Something sweet. Amen. Hallelujah. Y'all got it? Exodus. If you have it, say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Still look and say praise the Lord. Nobody looking. Y'all waiting for me to put it on the screen. Say thank you, Jesus. Let's make our faith declaration, our confession of faith. On this morning, would you say with me, repeat it. Today I'll be taught the word of God. My spirit is ready. My mind is sharp. I believe the word. The word is truth. It is without error. I believe what the word says. I can have what it says I can have. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. I believe what the word says about me. I am redeemed. Oh, that sounded good. I am redeemed. I'm the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. I am healed. No sickness nor disease shall come near my home. I'm more than a conqueror. I am rich. Wealth and riches shall be in my house. Prophesy that over your neighbor. Say, wealth and riches shall be in your house. Talk to your other neighbor. Say, wealth and riches shall be in your house. Do me a favor. If you would point to the four walls of this church, you say, wealth and riches shall be in this house. Point to yourself. Say, wealth and riches shall be in this house. Shall I'm blessed to be a blessing? My house is blessed. 
My children are blessed. My marriage is blessed. My church is blessed. Shout, I'm blessed. Say amen if you would. Exodus chapter number 20, verse number 22, the word of the Lord declares to us, and the Lord said unto Moses, thus thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, ye have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. (laughs) Tell this to the children so that they'll know that you and I had a conversation. I need you to announce to everybody around you that you and I have been talking. Y'all know I'm praying. But it just hadn't left me yet. Lord just saying, come and talk to me. Thank you. I receive it in Jesus' name. But the Lord wants to know if you would tell somebody that you're in commune with him. Can the world know that you have been talking to God? Can, can they just come into your presence and know that a conversation has taken place? When they walk up to you, can they, can they you, you know how it is when you, somebody knows something about you and you walk up and you have that feeling that they know? They hadn't really said nothing, but you just got that feeling like, oh, they know something. <laughs> That's how the Lord wants to be. When you walk up to people, they feel like, oh, you've been talking to Jesus. Peter, a disciple of Jesus, was just walking down the street trying to hide out closely as he watched his Lord and Savior be carted away in bondage. And people just walked up to him and said, weren't you with Jesus? One lady said, you sound, your speech betrays you. Just him talking. He just on the corner just talking and just his speech was a, a marker identified that he had been in the presence. Tell him that I've talked with you and ye shall not make with me gods of silver, neither shall ye make unto you gods of gold. Ooh, Jesus. The altar of earth thou shalt not make unto me Thou shalt not sacrifice thereon thy burnt offerings and thy peace offerings, thy sheep and thine oxen. In all places where I record my name, I will come unto thee and I will bless thee. Everywhere my name is established, I will come and bless you. But I don't want to come and find some altars that have been built to other gods. I don't want to be second in your life, says the Lord. And we have built altars even in the house of God, and God is secondary. And if thou wilt make me an altar, <laughs> thou shalt not build it of hewn stone. For if thou lift up thy two upon it, thou hast polluted it. God is not looking for you to build an altar with your hands, because whatever you put your hands to will contaminate it. Trying to get through it. Neither shall thou go up by steps unto my altar. That thy nakedness be not discovered thereon. Turn over to Hebrews chapter number 12. Then I'm going to pray. Verse number 29. For our God is a consuming fire. Father, now in Jesus' name, send down your fire and consume us. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hebrew word for altar, misbeah. To slaughter. To slaughter. When you build an altar, altar, something has to be slaughtered. I was raised in the country, and once a year we would, and some of y'all from the country know what I'm talking about, we would have a boucherie. Y'all know what a boucherie is? A boucherie. And we'd kill a hog. We would slaughter a hog. And so all the family in the community would come together, 
and they would combine and they would slaughter the hog or bushery. And everybody who would be there would partake of the slaughter. So you get some, you get some. You, I felt like Oprah Winfrey. You get a car, 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 you get a car. Everybody get a car. You get some pig, you get some pig, you get some pig. Everybody gets some pig. Everybody gets, they come together and they slaughter a pig and everybody will partake. Some brisket, amen. Some bacon. But something is slaughtered. So an altar is a place of slaughter. It's a messy place. It's a nasty place. It's a gory place. It's an ugly place. It's the place where the blood, where the blood slangs. It's at this place, watch this, it's the outer court of the tabernacle of the Lord that the priest would slaughter the sacrifice. And it's where the blood will swing. And, and, and I know it's a nasty thing, but it's a greater crowd in the outer courts where the slaughtering takes place. It, it's a massive group of people that come together, watch this, to watch the blood fly. They come together in church just to see, to spectate. See, the outer court was... Spectation. They, they just came to watch the happenings. It's where the shouting, people are shouting and praising and all of these things. It is on the altar of the outer court that the slaughter takes place. There's nothing holy about the outer court. Watch this. Even with the blood flying. Oh, God. It is not the blood flying that excites me. It's when the blood is applied. And we come into church and we watch the blood being swung. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. And we sit back and we spectate. Oh, that's good. Oh, yeah, yeah, they plead the blood. It's the outer court. On the altars of the outer court is where everybody gathers. And it's a multitude of people and thousands that come together. Watch this. To watch a slaughter. Y'all know in sports, people watch sports and like boxing matches. They love to see one slaughter another one. Somebody get their eye busted. Ooh, he hit them all. And thousands of people watch the sporting event, spectating. While the ring becomes the altar of slaughter. Such is the church. We come and we watch the sacrifice of others. But yet we do not contribute ourselves. We come to watch other sacrifice and we come and we don't bring anything to the altars ourselves. We, we, we admire their gifts or we judge their gifts or, or we gossip about their gifts that they're bringing to the altar. How he going to bring that right there to the altar? Why he going to bring that unto the Lord? Where is your sacrifice? What have you brought to the Lord? Look at his worship. I can't believe he's jumping around like that. He ain't supposed to be an apostle. Why he jumping? Why he laying on the floor like that? That's my sacrifice, but where's yours? And if you weren't so fixed and focused on what I'm slaughtering unto the Lord, and you were focused on what you have to bring, then you could see God move in your life, and you'll see God do in your life if you stop focusing on others. What altar are you building and what have you placed upon it? It's a slaughter. The altar is a place of sacrifice. What are you willing to sacrifice? And I'm not talking about a half an hour, two hours of your time. What are you going to do with that time? What's a real sacrifice? Because see, some of y'all are off today anyway. sporting events on right now. This is no sacrifice to you. Sunday morning worship is no sacrifice. Oh, I'm getting up to sacrifice some time with the Lord. This is not a sacrifice. You are off anyway. Did you ask for the day off with no pay as a sacrifice unto the Lord? Give me the day off. I'm going to worship my God. Well, you know you got some sick time. Hold my sick time for another time. <laughs> sacrifice. What have you sacrificed? What have you given up for him? I got family in town. Well, listen, bring my family with me. I haven't seen him in a long time. Bring him with you. What sacrifice? 
I haven't watered my grass. I need to cut my grass. Your grass will wait. What sacrifice will you make? Will your kids admire your sacrifice? Are you teaching your kids on how to sacrifice? We got a football game today. Dad, let's go. No, we're going to the house of the Lord. You know, sporting events don't reverence your God. They'll schedule an event right at the time that you're supposed to worship. They don't care. (laughs) They don't care. But what sacrifice are you going to make? Hallelujah. It's a place of sacrifice. It's usually a raised structure, a place on which sacrifices are altered or offered. It's a raised place. Why? Because it's supposed to be an elevated place. Why? So people can see your sacrifice. A sacrifice is not something that is private. It's a public thing. Ooh, Jesus. I worship God in private. No, you don't. You better worship him in public. What I do in private is prayer. And what I pray in the secret place, God will reward in the open place. But worship is public. Worship is public. Why? Because we show other people the greatness and the grandeur of our God. So the altar is an elevated place. Why? So everybody can see. Because you teach them how to worship based upon your heart's posture of worship. That's why the Bible says forsake not the assembly of the believer. Why? Because when you come together, you're stimulating somebody else in their worship. And you're training them and teaching them. That's why we can't be a dead church, church. That's why you can't come into the house of God and sit on your blessed beloved and sit down with your arms crossed instead of having your hands lifted and praising God. Because somebody is watching your worship and you're teaching them how to worship. Because they're going to do what you permit to be done in the atmosphere of which you set. Oh, God, I said something right there. What you do, I'll say it again, help me, Holy Ghost. What you do, they will do according to what you do in the atmosphere which you set. So if you sit down on your blessed beloved, they're going to sit down there, blessed beloved. If you fold your arms, they're going to fold their arms. Because somebody watching your worship. Uh-huh. Charles Barkley got it wrong. I am not a role model. Yes, you are. You are to roll the model of which you model. <laughs> so when I come into the house of God, what is my posture's heart of worship? My hands are lifted. My head is bowed. I may dance. And watch this. Even if you choose to sit down in your chair, there ought to be uh, some kind of reverence for God's presence. You know, the true essence of worship is really the posture of your heart. And true worship transforms you. Because when you really worship God, your heart is transformed. You get out of yourself. I'm, I'm trying to move and I'm just setting a foundation. Um, I remember years ago when I first got saved, um, I was a good old Catholic boy. Any, any Catholic folk? Amen. 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 Come on, man. Hallelujah. St. Isidore Planking. Thomas, that's me. Amen. And, and, and so for those of you who have ever experienced a Catholic service, there's not a whole lot of shouting going on. Bless the Lord. Ain't no dancing. Bless the Lord. Unless you go to Holy Ghost and Opelousas. Now, it's a totally different thing. Amen. They shout Holy Ghost. I'll stay where I'm at. And, and, and so, so worship for me was just being there in a pew. So when I got saved, found myself in a non-denominational church, I'm sitting on the pew. And folk were standing, hands lifted, shouting, dancing. Rolling on the floor, and I'm looking, I'm like, 
That's a whole other part right there. So this dog thinking dog. I'm like, oh, hey. But true worship will transform you. And they begin to set an atmosphere of worship that was so conducive for life transformation. Before I knew it, this Catholic boy had one hand lifted. Before I knew it, the other hand was lifted. And tears began to roll down my face. And the atmosphere was set. The altar was in place. And I stood to my feet and I'm worshiping. My eyes are closed and tears are streaming down my face. And I don't know how long this encounter with God took place, but that's all I know. By the time I came to, I'm still standing with my hands lifted and eyes still dripping. And everybody else is seated. And the service is almost over. True worship will transform you. It'll change you into something that you're not. True essence of worship is that uh, it is an aromatic word that's habed, which means to to transform or to change. And watch this, even to become a servant. So your worship should transform you when you put something on the altar. I I think her name was Tasha Cobb. She said put a praise on it. That when you put something on the altar, it will transform you. And now, watch this, you come into God's presence, watch, to serve him. Worship. Ooh, y'all missed that. True worship says that I come in God to serve you. Worship. I bring my worship to you. And it's foreign to me because the sacrifice is, God, I want to sit down with my pious self, my sanctimonious self, and watch everybody else worship and talk about that worship. But a true sacrifice says, Lord, forget them. I want to worship you myself. Here's my sacrifice of worship. God, I bring to you worship. That's why the Pharisees and the Sadducees didn't understand Mary Magdalene. When she came in, she bowed at Jesus' feet and she wept at his feet. And she took her hair and she dried his feet with her hair and she poured the oil. They couldn't understand it. Her sacrifice was... Even the disciples didn't understand. Lord, she's wasting all of that money. It could have been sold and given to the poor. She was pouring out her... And she was serving him where nobody else would serve. Because the Pharisees, the Sadducees, because they were sad, you see. Said if only he knew what type of woman who was touching him. He would not allow somebody like that with a jacked up background like she has. Come from the place of which she came from. The lifestyle that she lived. Had he known that she was a prostitute way before you judge her. If he only knew that you were a crackhead. That you were an alcoholic. That you were a liar, a thief, a whoremonger. That you in your private time watched pornography. And you said, well, it's soft porn. And it really ain't that bad. They got bikinis on. It ain't that bad. But if he only knew who you were in the house of the Lord. Talking about, here's my worship. If he only knew. And the disciples said, we could have sold that. But that was her reasonable sacrifice of worship. She poured out a year's worth of salary. A year's worth of salary. Watch this. Oh, God. Thank you, Holy Ghost. For one moment. Of worship. She gave all she had. For one worship experience. And hear this beloved. You get to worship 52 days. Out of a year. On a Sunday. 52 weeks in a year. Because y'all don't come to Bible study. But I'm just saying. you know, Could have been 104. But y'all only come to Sunday morning. So. But even then, she gave it all for one moment. Where's your sacrifice? 
what altar will you build? For one moment with the Lord, how much would you give in that one moment? Would you go all out? Would you lose your mind? Would you disregard your neighbor and what they think about you, their opinions about you? Would you forget about that? Would you forget about, hear me, beloved, don't clap yet. Would you forget what you think about yourself? How cruel you are and how many cruel points you'll lose if you lay down on the floor? Would you just forget about who you think you are in that moment? And would you highly exalt the Lord in that moment and put him on the pedestal of which you stand on? Y'all missed that last part. Would you put him on the pedestal where you stand on? Because you know what we do in worship? We lift ourselves up. Oh, y'all are looking at me strange. You may not agree to it, but that's what you do. You come in here and you say, I feel his presence. It ain't about you. It's not about you. You become a servant in his presence. God, how can I serve you in this moment? How can I serve you? God, you need worship. Here's my worship. God, you need my ear. Here's my ears. I'm listening, God, in this moment. What do you have to say to me? What do you have to speak to me in this moment? So now I can now watch, obey your instructions so that your voice can manifest in the lives of those who you send me to. Remember, God wants a conversation. He wants the world to know that you've been talking to him. And it's in that worship moment God begins to speak. That's why it's a raised place, an elevated place of which sacrifices are made. I'm laying foundation. So here it is. We're going to talk about building an altar. But watch, something must die. Something must die. An altar is not a shelf for you to put relics and artifacts on. An altar is not a place where you can adorn gold chains with a cross with a cute Jesus on it. The altar is not a place for you to wear a shirt that says Jesus loves me. An altar is a place of sacrifice. And when you have an altar... Something has to die. Tell your neighbor, something has to die. Your pride has to die. Your ego has to die. Your hatred has to die. Your bitterness has to die. Your laziness has to die. Your procrastination has to die. Your wayward thinking has to die. Your vices and your strongholds has to die. Everything about you has to die. When you come to the altar of the Lord, you lay your life down as a living sacrifice. Why? Because something has to die on the altar. Something has to die. Something has to die. Tell your neighbor, something has to die. So what does the altar represent? The altar represents death. Death. It represents death. We're the married people. I know we got it real serious in here. Boy, y'all got that stoic look on y'all face like. It's going to be that type of, it's going to be that type of series. I'm telling you, you should be. The altar represents death. Were, were the married people one time? Way behind. I was going to say were the happily married people, but then the hands would have been less. <laughs> your marriage better not be happy. Because happiness is contingent on your spouse treating you well. We're happily married. No, because my happiness is not tied to my wife making me happy. That's what happiness is. Happiness is an external thing. I don't know why I'm here, but I'm here. I'll stay here. Happiness is contingent upon external means. So when something on the outside is good, you feel good. But when things are bad, you feel bad. Happiness is external. Joy is internal. So you should never strive to have a happy marriage. Strive to have a blessed marriage. So that even when you're not happy, you're still blessed. 
I'm still blessed. So I got joy. Regardless of tough times we argue, I'm still blessed. Why? Because he that findeth the wife findeth the good thing and obtain the favor of the Lord. So even when my good thing turns into a bad thing at that moment and she getting on my nerves, I'm still blessed because I have the favor of the Lord. And if I'm waiting for her to make me happy, then I'm going to be waiting a long and if my happiness contingent upon her making me happy, then now she has the control. I got the power. <laughs> and I ain't giving nobody that kind of power in my life but Jesus. So when you get married, you got married where? At a... And for those of you who got married at the Justice of Peace, we're going to correct that today. See me after service because we need to bring you to the. Because when you got married at the Justice of Peace, there was no altar. And watch this. Altars are built to alter you. Altars are places of death. So the only way mathematically this thing can work in the kingdom of God is in order for two to become one, then two people have to die to resurrect as one. So you have to come to an altar and die on the altar so God can kill you and resurrect you as one bone, one flesh, one unified in the body. You got to get married at an altar because something has to die. Because if you married somebody and they didn't die, you got trouble on your hands. If you got married to somebody and you didn't die, you giving them trouble. You giving them H-E-L-L hockey sticks. Because you're not dead yet. And the altar is a place of death. I got to die. I have to die. I cannot be functional and beneficial to the kingdom of God if I'm still alive. I got to die. The altar represents death. The altar cures, watch this, number one, pride. Somebody shout, something has to die. Not only your pride has to die, but your ego has to die too. Somebody shout, something has to die. Your self-righteousness has to die. It has to die. Somebody shout, it has to die. What is self-righteousness? Will you esteem yourself higher than another? When you look at somebody and their walk and where they are in life and their struggles, and you say, thank God I'm not where they are, you're self-righteous. You know how we do well. Well, at least I ain't as bad as them. Self-righteous. Self-righteous. Well, at least I made it to church on Sunday. You know how you is? You're driving down the street and your neighbors are cutting their grass. You look over at that neighbor and say, little oh, heathen. That's the pastor of the church that had church on Saturday. You heathen. Self-righteous. You see somebody who stumbled, who tripped and fell? Look at them. They're always at the altar. They need deliverance again? Self-righteous. Somebody shot has to die. Self-centeredness. Putting yourself in the center. Watch this. I need more prayer than I'm praying. Self-centered. If you always call in the prayer line but never volunteer to man the prayer line, you're self-centered. I need prayer. Pray for me, Pastor. Who are you praying for? Did you call me and say, Pastor, you need prayer today? I'm praying for you today. You're self-centered. Pastor, I need a breakthrough. What about my breakthrough? Self-centered. Pastor, I need five minutes of your time. I need 20 of yours. Oh, y'all missed that. I need you in the parking lot. I need you in the door. I need you in the children's ministry. I need you to serve. I need you to usher. I need you to greet. Can you give me 20 minutes? Well, Pastor, I need to talk to you just for five minutes. Can you serve 10? Self-centered. 
But the altar will kill all of that. The altar will kill all that. Watch this. It'll kill your desires. I don't have it up there, but I just felt it in my spirit. It just went down. It just. It'll kill your own desires. Well, I desire to do this. Die. Because God does not want you to exalt your desires above his. And the desire you have in your heart, if it did not came from God, it's not a desire, it's a burning fire that will consume you and utterly destroy your life. And that's not the consuming fire of the Lord. It's a consuming fire of self-centeredness. Because now it's all about me. Everybody got a sinner around me that'll burn you and consume you. I'm trying to get through it. The altar kill hatred. Because how can you hate another? Because of their skin tone. Because of their gender. Because where they come from. Watch this. Or even hate them because of their choice of religion. It is the goodness of God that leadeth one unto repentance. Not the judgment of God. It is the goodness of God that leadeth one unto repentance. So I don't hate the Muslim. I don't hate the Buddhist. I cannot hate them. Why? Because that died on the altar. So now the only thing that resurrected in my life is love. I love them. But it's the love of God that will draw people in. Testimony right quick. So. On Sundays, there's a, a sister ministry called Church Under Tree. Of course, Church on the Levee has gone on 13 years now. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise for that. We've been feeding the homeless for 13 plus years now going on. And there's a, a sister ministry that started up Church Under Tree. They meet on Sundays at 5 o'clock in a field up under a tree. And I was there serving one Sunday. And while I was there, the Holy Spirit said, look over to your left. And I looked to the left, and there was this man walking down the sidewalk. And, you know, I'm kind of a bulldog in the spirit. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, sick him. I'm just, that's just how it's, it's just me. I don't know. That's how he talked to me. So I took off with a witch print. I can get it too, but I was striding. I was getting it. And I ran up to him. He said, oh, man, what's up, man? Don't be running up on me like that. I said, man, listen. I'm just here because I want to know who you are. Who are you? Who are you that the Lord will disrupt my day to send me your way? Who are you? That God will interrupt me serving somebody else so I can come and be with you. Who are you? He looked at me strange, kind of like y'all looking at me now. He said, I am Abdul Muhammad. I am my father's son, a Muslim. He said, I dare you approach me like that. I said, listen, I come in the name of the Lord. And I just, I'm just here. I just want to get to, are you hungry? <laughs> I got to a little, he kind of rose over the chest, poked off. So I said, we got food. Nah. I said, no, but man, I just want to, I want to offer you something to eat. He said, okay. He comes over. We feed him. We communicate with him. We fellowship with him. And at the end, we have a time of prayer. Now, I don't tell anybody this is a Muslim guy. So we get in a circle with hands and we begin to pray. And God touches the sister's heart. She comes over and she breaks between he and I and grabs his hand between us two. And she began to pray. At the end of the prayer, he pulls her to the side and pulls me. He said, no woman, I would not allow no woman to pray with me. It is against my religion to have a woman pray with me. But when she prayed with me, I felt something. No woman has ever touched me in that way and prayed, but I felt something. That day, the love of God, because the hatred died on the altar, touched Muhammad's life. 
And Muhammad gave his life to Jesus. So I said, Muhammad, I'm excited for you, man. Where you stand at, man? I'm homeless. I lost everything. I'm a businessman. My wife left me. I'm living in the car. And, 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 and they towed my car away. I'm just out here. So the love of God says, we pull it together and say, oh, what are we going to do? Huddle up. This is what the church is supposed to do. Break. Break. So we got him in a hotel room. And while I'm taking him to the hotel room, the Lord said, treat him like a king that he is. And I'm, I'm just boasting in the Lord right now. Mahana, what's your favorite restaurant? It's all, oh, oh, really? So I'd just be good with a cheeseburger. No. Wow. Come on. Jesus. Where you want to eat? Yeah. We eating good today. Hallelujah. We going to eat. <laughs> we get to the restaurant, and this, who I, this is how I know who he was. We get into his favorite restaurant. Hey, Abdul! You back again? They knew him by name. He said, oh, yeah, I have the usual. I said, that's all you're going to get? Because you know you got to eat later. You know tomorrow's coming. For real, this is the love of Jesus, man. God loves you enough to disturb my day. Guess what? The money I have in my pocket is not mine. It belongs to him. The love of God is not just in my heart, but it's in my pocket. Because hatred died a long time ago. I have no love. Only thing I hate is what God hates. Come on. Come on. Get what you want. They came out with bags and bags of groceries for Muhammad. We ain't just putting them up in no just Motel 6. We got them in the best hotel. He slept in that hotel. He called me that night. He said, my God, tell me more about this Jesus. Some of y'all looking in disbelief. So I see you after service. I got text messages to prove it. I got Facebook posts where he posted. Where he's now in a Christian church. And he's in Bible study right now. And he's, I, got, I got proof to show that the love of God leadeth one unto repentance. Why? Because hatred died at the altar. I'm going to give you a couple more and I'm done. Anger has to die. On the altar. The Bible says be angry but sin not. So this type of anger. Is the anger of enragement. Where you now begin to. Enact upon that anger. To where now. You're. You're in angered and enraged. To a point now where it's no longer internal. But it manifests as external. You're breaking windows. Punching holes in walls. Keen cars. Come on, ladies. I'm going to drink on that right there. I drive a black Dodger. So if y'all want to scratch a car, it's a black Dodger out. I don't drive a black Dodger. But flattening tires. It's that type of anger, that enrage. Your car is not a Dodger, is it? Okay, all right. I know it's black, so I ain't want you to call Keed on my behalf. It's a charge. Okay. All right. Amen. So it has to die on the altar. Now, here's the last one I want to give you today because we're talking about altars. So idols have to die. Watch this. Even American idols. Now, I'm not saying the individual. Don't get me twisted. But the fact of the mindset to exalt myself above another. has to die. The idols you have built and formed and fashioned in your own life has to die. I mean, even church could become an idol. Because now you, you run and you take an individual who needs a touch from the Lord. And instead of God using you, 
which we'll touch in a second, you run to the church because it's your idol. To think that the church building is far bigger than the Holy Spirit. That, that you think the organization of the church is far bigger than the power that resurrected Jesus from the dead that now lives on the inside of you that you can open up your mouth and declare freedom to that individual. Bring him to the church. Because the church has become idle. They have a need. Oh, call the church, 225-831-3500. What if you're the answer to that need? Because you made the church idle. You have made the church an idol. And God has placed word in you. I'm going to bring you to come and get a word. Give them a word. Idols. Idols. Now watch. Don't get into the place of which you make yourself an idol. So now you become the greater need. The dependency they have on you and nobody else. They don't want to call nobody else for prayer but you. Oh, let, let me call Sister Gabby. She can pray. Let me call Evangelist. She is not God. He is not God. Oh, we got to give him the pastor. Pastor, you didn't answer the phone. I had five people waiting and they had a need. Where were you, Pastor? I was at the hospital with my son, praying for my son, walking down the hall, praying for other people. What were you doing? <laughs> Pastor has become an idol. Okay. We tearing down some altars today. We killing some, we killing some stuff today. Somebody shout, just kill it. You got to kill some stuff. The altar is a place of death. Some things have to die. The way you view church and treat church, the way you handle church, have to die so something new can resurrect. So that the Spirit of God can now lead you, guide you, and direct you, and empower you to do what God has called you to do. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to yell at you. What is God empowering you to do? You have placed all this stuff on the idol, on the altar, even your own self. Oh, I know Greek and Hebrew. I, I know the New Testament forwards and backwards. I, I know all of these things, all this knowledge, all of this head knowledge. Idol. I'm closing with this. I have an uncle. He has a third grade or had a third grade education. Call him Uncle Cookie. He passed away. Uncle Cookie was an alcoholic from the time I first could even open my eyes in consciousness to know him. Illiterate man. Alcoholic. One day riding on his bicycle, he never drove a car. He rode a bicycle everywhere he went. Third grade education. Dropped out. Because, you know, back in those days when the family struggled, somebody had to make a So he made the sacrifice, dropped out of school so he can work to help support the family. Never learned how to drive a vehicle, ride his bike everywhere. And the story goes, one day he's riding on the bicycle, the Holy Ghost hit him and taught him how to read. <laughs> but not just to read anything, taught him how to read the Bible. So he started reading the Bible and didn't know how to read, but the Holy Spirit began to download wisdom into him. And he's reading the Bible, alcoholic, reading the Bible. Yeah, I missed it. An alcoholic reading the Bible. And then the Word, because of the Word working in him, he began to build an altar and place his life on the altar as a sacrifice. Alcoholism fell off. Becomes a head deacon in the church. He didn't put the church on the pedestal. Didn't put himself on the pedestal. Something died. He placed a sacrifice on the altar. Idols got to die. I don't know what your idol is this morning. And maybe I didn't come down your road, but
But I can believe that the Holy Ghost is going to step on your toe before you leave this place. Because there's something in you right now that the Holy Ghost is dealing with. And you're probably thinking within yourself, man, I hope he don't mention this because I don't want to have to deal with that. I hope he don't say this. I hope the Holy Ghost don't reveal this because I'm not ready to deal with that yet. Because there's some hurts, some past pains and some struggles you've got on the inside of you. Some anger and some bitterness towards those who abused you, misused you, molested you, raped you, mistreated you, talked about you, lied on you. And the list goes on. And you're holding on to that. Watch this because those things can empower you. Anger can empower you. And you're feeling strong. Because of that anger. And you're not ready to let it go because you're not ready to lose that power. I know. I know. But something has to die. Something has to die. So in a moment, I'm going to pray. And I want you to build an altar. Right before you. Remember, God's not looking for a hewn stone altar. Because he don't want you to really put your hands to it. But in your spirit, begin to place the stones of an altar. And then whatever sacrifice you need to make today, place it on the altar. Some of you may feel the freedom and the liberty to come at this altar and lay it at this altar. Great. Some of you be in your seat and you just see that altar and you just place it on that altar. Whatever that sacrifice is. Because watch, when you go from the slaughtering place where everybody is, there's a place, the brazing altar. It's at the brazing altar that the entry point into the tabernacle becomes narrow. As you come into the holy temple of the Lord, the outer court is wide, but into his presence is narrow. This is a place where you get to that narrow place where the brazing altar is. You can stand there. Not a whole lot of people can fit there. Matter of fact, at the brazing altar, only a few priests could stand there. This is before you go into the holies of holies. But it's a lonely place at this brazen altar. It's at this place only you can put the sacrifice there. So we go from the outer court to the inner court at this brazing altar. And when I pray, I want you to stand at that altar and say, Lord, here's my sacrifice. Because when you put it there, the consuming fire of the Lord will come down and consume it let us pray father now in the name of Jesus as we stand in this holy temple in your presence God in this lonely place at the brazing altar God we offer up our sacrifices we offer up our sacrifice God our children our wives our husbands our family our careers our gifts our talents Everything about us, God, we stand at this brazing altar and we offer up a sacrifice. Something that's going to hurt, God. Something that's going to say, ouch. We offer it to you now. That bitterness, God, that I hold towards another, God, I let it go and I place it on the altar. That prejudice, that pride, God, now I place it at the altar. My own intellect, my own wisdom, I lay it at the altar. I give you a sacrifice, God. Come on, today, today, I don't know who you are. Put something on the altar. 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 Altars are built to alter you. Altars are built to alter you. To change you, to transform you. 
And the moment you lay it down, transformation will take place in your life. Lay it at the altar so the consuming fire of a consuming God can rain down from heaven and consume that thing of which you have held on for so long. It's your identity. Give it to God today. Who you think you are, give it to God. So you can become who he has created you to be. Laying on the altar. Build an altar. Lift the stones and place them. Build an altar, build an altar, build an altar. A life changing, a transformation altar. Do it today. Do it today. Because he's a jealous God. And if you don't kill the idols in your life, my God in heaven, he's coming back for idols. He's coming back for idols to destroy the idols. He's coming back to destroy them. He's coming for them. He's coming for them. He's coming for them. He's coming for them. So you might as well put it voluntarily. Because if you don't do it willingly, Oh, God. If you hold on to it, then it has to be snatched from you. Give it to him today. I'd rather give it to God than have my hands cut off and have them ripped from me. Do it today. Father, now in the name of Jesus, for every altar that we have built to false gods, today we tear it down. For every idol that we have placed upon these altars, God, we destroy them now and annihilate them. God, for every sacrifice that we have made to unknown gods other than you, God, we repent of right now in the name of Jesus. Father, today we offer up a pure, pure and holy sacrifice unto you that is pleasing and acceptable in your eyesight, God. Today we want to be pleasing unto you, God. Now in Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Come on, let the Spirit of God breathe upon you afresh, upon your hearts today. There's an idol in your life that needs to be destroyed, an altar that needs to be torn down. I want you now in this moment, if you recognize that, just lift your hand now. That's got an altar, an idol in your life that needs to be torn. Yes, 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 yes. We're tearing down altars and idols. Lift your hand high. Thank you, Father. If you're here today and you don't know, keep your hands lifted for those who, who hands are lifted because your hands are now free to free the next group of people. I'll say it again. Your hands are now free to help free the next group of people. If you're here today and your relationship with the Lord is not where it needs to be, backslidden, don't know Jesus in the pardon of your sins, but that's you today, I want you to wave your hand at me. You're getting it right. You're getting it right today. Wave it at me. Let me see you. Let me see you. Wave it. I see you. I see you over there. I see you back there. Come on with your hands lifted. Everybody else, begin to pray for those who are around you that need Jesus. They're getting serious today. Are there any others today? Wave it at me. Wave it at me. Wave it at me. Getting your life right. Getting your life right. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. One here, one there. Can we get cards in their hands, the ones who are waving? Amen. Amen. Now everyone stand to your feet as we close. For those of you who are online today, if that's you today, hashtag save me in the comment box below. The Spirit of God is reaching out virtually from here into your homes, touching you now. If that's you today, put it in the box below. Save me, hashtag save me. Any others today getting it right? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Here's the other plea that I submit to you. If you don't have a church home and the Spirit of God has drawn you to this place, you felt the Spirit of God speak to you and you want to partner with Elevate Church, if that's you today, lift your hand in the air now. That's you today. Thank you, Father. That's you today. Transitioning from one church to the next, God is doing something in your life. You felt the Spirit of God in this place. And he's spoken to you. Lift your hand in there. That's you today. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 
in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Come on, come on, you can do better than that. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise in Jesus' mighty name. For those of you who lifted your hand to receive Jesus or to have, amen, the commitment with the Lord, making a commitment today, don't leave this place without someone knowing. Drop that card off at the guest table out in the foyer on today. If this is your first, second, or third time with us, amen, I would love to meet and greet you out in the foyer today, amen, as Sandrika closes out in prayer and in worship, I would love to meet you and greet you. Hey, listen, too, what is your sacrifice? Listen, the government is about to release some funds into your hands. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Praise God. Where are you going to submit your sacrifice? Amen. Amen. Those are funds that God has put into your hands. Watch this. For such a time as this, to build the kingdom of God. Amen. So listen, don't just go out there shopping. I ain't saying go get you, don't, you know, get you some outfits, amen. Pay some bills. But don't forget about God in this season. Don't forget about God. For some of you, this stimulus check is going to make up for all the other times you forgot about God. I'm going to walk and drop the mic on that one. Because if you would have been doing what you were supposed to do from the beginning... This one really wouldn't hurt. It'll be easy to give God. But because you failed to do what you were supposed to do, this one's going to hurt. Somebody shout out. God bless you. As we dismiss, I would like for everyone to exit this door. Because we're fuming outside. Father God, we just thank you for your presence here, Lord God. We thank you for allowing us to be here, Lord God, and worship you, Father. We pray, Lord God, that the word, Lord God, fed us, Lord God, and that we are just completely open to whatever it is that you want to do, Lord God, from here on out. Lord God, we thank you for everything that is going to come to pass, Lord God, all of the blessings, Lord God, all of the abundance, Lord God, that you have poured into us on today and that's going to come in the future. So, Lord God, we give you glory, honor, and praise as we leave this place, Lord God, but never your presence. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.